Good to see you. So we are excited to be recording another podcast episode on this lovely fall evening. Yeah, it's really it's really um, creepy out. It's getting to those type of nights mm-hmm. where it's like a little foggy and um, we'll get this. So I was walking my girlfriend home the other night because we live just a, like a block away. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit too many edibles. Oh. And everything on the street started seeming really creepy because it's fall. We just watched Friday the 13th. I saw oh, no. I saw an upside down cross in a in, in a parked car. <laughs> that is, that I would run for the hills, which is also why I did not eat those or I did not have edibles because I would die. <laughs> so I was feeling a little weird about that, and uh, yeah. Oh so how's you, how's your creepy fall going? Oh, I I started listening to a podcast about cons- it's called like conspiracies but it's about like historical conspiracies and it's about Edgar Allan Poe's death and so that kind of creeped me out and then I listened to a podcast about aliens so I also was but I, it was in the spirit of Halloween and then I was like um I can't do this because I'm a baby sure I mean this is a whole nother topic but what's your thoughts on aliens I don't know <laughs> I feel like I wasn't prepared to talk about this today <laughs> no it's interesting to like think about other life and and things like that. But I'm, I don't really have a concrete answer yet. I have I don't have enough research. All right. We'll get you next time. <laughs> yeah. So I also wanted to reintroduce what salsa soul food means because we've been doing this and we started to ask our guests, um, you know, what are their salsa soul food goals? And I kind of haven't done that consistently. So I wanted to bring it back. Mm-hmm. So salsa, I'm a salsa dancer and salsa is physical activity how you incorporate that in your daily life it might be walking running doing weights like doing yoga in the house right now and then we have soul which is a spanish word for sun and for me it is nourishing activities uh what we normally would refer to now nowadays as like self-care right like reading a book spending time with a friend or zooming with a friend or face zooming is not a thing no zooming has become a thing that's that's the new generation of children are zoomers oh they're zoomers went from boomers to millennials to zoomers oh wow okay so i didn't realize that (laughs) uh drinking a cup of tea like those things how to incorporate those in your daily life and then finally food is kind of the most obvious your relationship with food uh you know, whether that's weight loss goals, whether it's feeling better in your skin in at the weight you are in your body, uh, trying out a new sort of diet or new foods in general. And that leads us to today's episode, which is going to be uh, linked to food. And I wanted to just review this also soul food kind of theory or philosophy, I should say, because we're going to jump into that in today's episode. Let's roll that footage. Welcome to episode 13 of the Salsa Soul Food Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to cover diet culture, intuitive eating, and just overall body acceptance. So these are huge topics uh, on social media, on the news. You've probably heard about this, if especially if you live in the United States. Um, and 
I really wanted to get into this because I'm just always fascinated by um, the food that people eat. Um, and I also want to point out that I know that there are so many other factors that go into our diets and, and what we consume. I know that race, religion, our upbringing, class, and other factors go into what we eat, uh, what food we have access to, also our culture. So I'm not going to dive into that too much today, but I just wanted to give a brief overview of what intuitive eating is, diet culture, and just what is right for you. And hopefully this will give you some more insight into what works best for you and your body. And I also wanted to say just uh, like a trigger warning for those who may have dealt with disordered eating, whether that's under eating or overeating of any kind, like just be aware that this episode is going, going to touch upon these topics in case that you want to shut off the episode or turn it off. Give people more reason to turn us off. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just to start out with my story a bit, I know that I mentioned this in the first episode, uh, but I grew up in a household where pretty much everyone in my house had some type of disordered eating. And when I say disordered, I don't necessarily mean they had like a diagnosed eating disorder. It was just that there was an obsession about food and specifically weight loss, I would say, with my mom, my sisters, and very much my dad, especially towards like his as he got older, I would say, and definitely an obsession with health. And so I noticed that from a young age. And I remember like I would be in dance classes. And I also noticed that my body was different from the other girls. And, you know, I was a petite girl, but I still felt this sense of not fitting in and feeling like I needed to lose weight from a very young age. Um, and I also saw, I didn't like judge anyone based upon their weight, but I also knew that in a sense, it wasn't acceptable to be a certain weight in society. It was very strange. And I know that a lot of uh, young young people or children, girls and boys, both deal with that pressure and kind of learning that and trying to navigate what that means. So I know for myself, when I was in, at that age, when I was dancing and and in that environment, I would definitely binge eat a lot, like a lot of junk food and then I would feel like extreme guilt. Like I was like a binger. Like I just remember like raiding my kitchen and it was just like so uncomfortable. And then I, I don't know, I think over the years, like I've developed a better relationship with food um, through like studying it and studying like other like healing modalities and all and health coaching, I guess. But then more recently when I've tried to manage my chronic symptoms, I have noticed because I've been eliminating foods, it's also become very restrictive. And I've, I'm now like kind of on the opposite um, extreme and feeling there's something called orthorexia where you are obsessed with health and like wellness and what you're eating. So I felt like I was in that sort of field or that area and I had to bring myself back to the middle and say, okay, I can manage my chronic symptoms, still eliminate the foods that don't make me feel well, but not obsess over it. And I think that's hard for a lot of us to do. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. But I wanted to ask Mark, I know you're a vegetarian, but what was your experience or your upbringing with sort of diet culture, food, and um, what brought you to vegetarianism? So I grew up very large, very large baby, very large toddler, even larger child. So when I was a kid, um, my doctor asked my mom and dad to bring me to a nutritionist. And I, I think it was too much money. And I think they never actually like followed through with it. 
Um, but I, at that age, I knew that like, there's a problem. I can't fit into the same, um, shirts that all the other T-ball kids were wearing. Like my mom had to bring me to like a specific shirt and you you ever see like the line of kids, like in all their baseball uniforms. And then there's just like one with like an off color and it's like the very large kid. That one was me. And I didn't even have like the graphic of like what our team name was. It was just like, here's, it's like, it's kind of like target looks like now because they can wear just like whatever red is in their, is in their house. So (laughs) I look like a target employee, just very confused on the baseball field. (laughs) So that's uh, that was me, and I yeah I knew that I that food was something I was supposed to um, restrict pretty early because of 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 my weight. Like I remember, I remember, like when we would have dinner, I remember being like really excited to be like served first. Like if I like my grandma was pretty funny because if if you like mentioned that you wanted like the food first, she like would absolutely wait you'd be like the last one to be served. (laughs) And I, so I remember like keep my mouth shut because like maybe that means the plate will get to my end first. Mm -hmm. And then I never, I remember never like being fulfilled by the food and later like wanting to sneak more. And I knew, and I knew at that part point it was bad. It's like overeating is bad, but I like, I'd get caught and I'd get yelled at, but um, I still want to like sneak food like later on. Um, And yeah, that was basically like my whole childhood of just like he's he's lazy, he won't he won't move. Um, and then my mom and dad put me in like theater because they thought it would like get me moving a little bit. So that was like kind of cool because I like got that passion out of it. Um, but yeah, vegetarianism that is what you brought up, and I didn't become a vegetarian until like pretty late. Like I already kind of slimmed down a little bit. Like I joined sports in high school, and I got to like the point where like I didn't have to worry too much about losing weight anymore. At, at that point, it was just like, oh, this is like I don't know. My sister was a vegetarian. She kind of like had all the like, ideas of of it, and at, originally it was kind of like, oh well, if I'm, I would eat a lot of fast food with my friends, and. Uh, like that was the thing we would have band practice and then we'd go on like McDonald's runs at like 1am and it was, and it was great. But like, I knew I couldn't keep doing that. And I was get I was getting unhealthy, maybe not like get it, not putting on too much weight or anything, but I just felt really gross about it. So I said, okay, if I, if I cut out meat, then I def, it was like a pretty simple black and white answer for me. If I cut out meat, then I just won't go to these fast food places when I know you can get other shit. But in my head, I'm just like, that will make sure I don't do late night McDonald's runs, Um, which now I'm sure you can get like Beyond Meat or whatever. But like that was like that cuts out fast food. Good. Wipe my hands clean of that. So, yeah. And then, yeah, then I started feeling pretty healthier and feeling good because it worked. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Like cutting out the meat. I never thought of that because most fast food and of course now as we've gotten older, there are more options, but it makes sense. It's kind of like you said, black and white. So it could be something like easier to follow for your mind. Yeah, it was easier then when I didn't know too much about food, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned your grandmother and your family in general, I also remember I just love thinking about memories of food and like your family because I had a time where I was eating a burger with my dad. And it's one of those memories that always sticks out for me. We were at Johnny Rockets. It's like a burger place. And I remember I finished the whole burger before him 
and he was like so happy like he was proud of me like oh yeah. like 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 then he would tell like my mom and my sisters like oh like she finished it uh uh, before me like kind of like almost patting me on the back and yeah. he didn't you know he, he wasn't like trying to like make me eat fast my whole life or anything but it was like I da- took dad it's because you have indigestion that's why yeah it's like because <laughs> you have you have diarrhea and now you've passed on your bad like bowel <laughs> movements to me but like i was like oh so in my mind like somewhere it like saved that memory of eating fast will get you your father's love which <laughs> clearly is not the case like i know my father loves me for many other reasons yeah. but that like is so freaking true mm-hmm. and so um yeah, those memories definitely stick or like the way that we interact with our family or they interact with us sticks and determines like how we eat and our like patterns, I think, too. Oh, absolutely. Like my mom got gastric bypass when I was a kid. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's a huge thing to see. Mm-hmm. Like an impact on you. I mean, it's yeah, it was it was so weird. It was like, oh, I guess this is what people do. I don't know. I, I, I never really thought about like what that did. Um, in my mind but it was like oh my mom needs help and then so she would like and but the thing is uh, this is is gonna get me on a tangent because um through quarantine i have just been binge watching my 600 pound life and even more so like on hulu they've got my one the 1000 pound sisters and and that's a good show too but (laughs) But like it's the thing is they tell you like you can get this surgery, but if you don't change your habits, you're screwed. And we would still keep getting fast food, and she'd like have a have a bite of it and then go throw up because it was just too much for her belly, which was like staple shut. Um, so yeah, like she obviously wasn't doing it right. Like we were still getting Taco Bell, and she was eating that and just vomiting because it made her sick. Mm-hmm. So you know, I watched someone like do it but do it wrong. And then get surgery and then do it even more wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it is a food. Food is an addiction. I think it can be an addiction anywhere, uh, any country, any place. But I think especially in the United States, because we're constantly surrounded by food, we forget that for some people losing weight or weight loss or or just even restricting food. It's also it should be it's very difficult because it is like an addiction just like any other. So I think that that's like a hard Uh, or an important thing to remember and there's all sorts of health conditions that are connected to it so it is um and as a child like that's something that's you like you just like normalize it but you're like oh this is interesting like as you get older to like reflect on it Mm -hmm. and so i went on like a youtube kind of spiral binge whatever you want to call it and that's where i started to realize that there were these two sort of groups on social media like the diet culture group and kind of the intuitive eating group and I'm not an expert on this. Again, this just came about because I was, you know, watching things and just doing my own little research because, of course, I love health and wellness. And I realized that these two groups, again, intuitive eaters and the diet culture were kind of going against each other. Right. Because diet culture is about counting calories, maybe being more restrictive are people that maybe want to lose a significant amount of weight and maybe want to do some bodybuilding or some more rigorous like uh, physical activity versus the intuitive eaters are more about like listening to your body, no restriction, no counting calories. And it was kind of silly to me that they're both against each other because we should have the choice, you know, to decide what works best for our bodies. And they both can kind of work hand in hand. Um, so just to break it down, break it down. <laughs> 
Uh, intuitive eating, and this is a very like basic overview, is the rejection of diet culture, honoring your hunger, making peace with food, feeling your fullness, and making time for exercise and sort of positive self-care activities. It's kind of like what I would say I generally would want to promote. Um, there And they also, this is the part that I really like about intuitive eating. They talk about different types of hunger. So you have your physical hunger, which is like your belly hunger when you hear your stomach uh, growling, right? Or you feel it, you hear it. Then there's a taste or mouth hunger, I believe it's called, where you just, you're craving a certain like texture or like, you know, uh, in your mouth. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> and then there's emotional hunger, which I feel like we all know very well. When we want to eat our feelings or we're sad or we're angry, or it might be linked to like a celebratory event or a memory or like those chocolate chip cookies around Christmas time or gingerbread cookies, like whatever, whatever it is for you, pumpkin spice in the fall. Uh, and so I really resonated with those three parts of the intuitive eating part because to me like food is also memory and culture and that's where I think the restrictiveness just in in society in general sometimes like is overwhelming to me because I'm like sometimes I just want to eat a piece of cake because I do or I want like a cider donut because it's fall and I don't there shouldn't have to be so much like guilt and pressure so I do agree with the intuitive eating like in that sense Um, And they also their kind of theory is that deprivation diets have made many of us lose our intuition and our sense of hunger. And I would say it's not only deprivation diets that have made our lose our sense of hunger. It's just like like I said before, being around food all the time, because like if you're always eating and and maybe you have an addiction, maybe you don't. You just you're going to lose that natural like sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that. So that is kind of the overview of intuitive eating. Um, And again, I really like the overall view of it. But when reading comments on these intuitive eating videos, a lot of people would say, well, I'm overweight or I deal with, uh, you know, a thyroid issue or a food addiction. So it's very hard for me to follow this intuitiveness because somebody once I think one of the comments was my intuitive my intuition will follow me will lead me to eat a full pizza so she was kind of saying like not everyone can tap into this intuition so easily which is where I understood that there is a place for diet culture for those who do want to be restrictive to a certain degree because it helps them mentally Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah and I also think that like I mean majority of the people on the planet know what a healthy meal is compared to an unhealthy meal like there's no there's no like tricks i mean unless unless like strangely high calorie like food like trail mix i feel like people think is super healthy but it's just like Mm -hmm. ridiculous amounts of calories Mm um well that depends on your perspective though because like it depends if you're looking at the calories or you're looking at the like what type of food it that's is. That's true. I guess what I'm saying is just like there are a couple like snack foods that you think are mm-hmm. would be healthy, like peanut butter or something that you can like, you can eat a lot. Like calorically, you can like, it's actually more than people think. It's I dense. see what you're saying. Yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty dense. So like, I mean, when it comes to that, like people might need to like learn about like the, the correct portions. But other than that, it's like you understand that a bag of chips is, is not so great. And like um, maybe like rice cakes would be better. Um, like, majority people would understand that so that Mm -hmm. is like what i agree with the intuitive eating but yeah like i said like i do feel like there are certain things where 
just you don't have to count calories but know that like a block of cheese is like pretty dense <laughs> in in fat and calories when like broccoli isn't just like knowing those type of differences will will help you yeah no and that's helpful for me to realize because i've i like have always kind of stayed away from the calorie part of it and i think it's just because i'm not like a numbers person too so that's maybe part of it but it is it is helpful to understand how other people like their minds just work differently and they need that um so yeah so getting into diet culture like i said before most of us have been on some type of restrictive diet i'm sure at some point in our lives uh some more strict than others and again like i said it's about specifically counting calories or maybe not eating certain foods and mark has recently been on a journey oh yeah so i wanted him to share more about his uh sort of regimen that he has now or diet if you want to say that mm -hmm. to give us like another perspective um from the intuitive eating side now over to like the diet culture side totally and i just want to like say throughout my past i have tried a lot of different things and they've all like worked but there, there's always that like um, slingshot backwards, like slap back. It like I always, I always end up gaining the weight back. But like you know, I've I've done I've done keto like a couple years ago. I did um, you know like low fat. I'll I'll do like calorie counting and stuff like that. And and what whenever I am in my whenever I'm like right here right now i think that what i'm doing is like the most scientific way to do it but, but if you asked me two years ago i'd been like yeah keto is like god um so so you know maybe in a couple of years i'll think i'm a fool but but yeah right now i'm i'm just thinking in terms of um phases you know um and we kind of discussed that with my september goal which was to um maintain my weight so basically uh i'll take it back maybe it was july august i you know um started started losing some weight and then i you know i had i had a lot to lose so basically i think i started quarantine at at like 200 pounds mm -hmm. and that's like that's pretty heavy for me i'm 511 and you know probably the lightest i've ever been is 155 uh and i don't want to get down to that again i just like um I just don't want to be, I didn't want to be 200. So I understood that started from there. Um, cut, cut calories. And, and I know that's like the opposite side and that's what we can get into on, on like the difference between intuitive eating and counting calories. But it's, it was, it's simple to me, like calories in calories out. Like, um, if you're in a calorie caloric deficit, you're going to start losing some weight. So I did that. Um, and what I've just been learning is that like it does being in a caloric deficit does put a lot of stress on your body. Um, and it's on purpose. It's, it's eating the extra fat. It's, 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 it doesn't want to get rid of fat. Your body really wants to hold on to that fat because for thousands and thousands of years, that is how you survived. You stored it and then you had it just in case we don't live in that world anymore. Like where we can get 10,000 calories at any gas station. Like it's, it's ridiculous. So your body wants to hold on to the fat. So it's stressful to continue in a caloric deficit. So after a few months I wanted to maintain, which was my September goal. Um, for that whole month, I, I didn't count calories necessarily, but I did look at the scale pretty, pretty frequently. 
just to make sure what I ate that week wasn't tipping me in any in any direction. I didn't want to lose weight. I didn't want to gain weight. I wanted to stay the exact same because, <laughs> surprise, surprise, that needs to be my life when this is all done. So it's kind of giving your body a break, training yourself to, to, to stay, you know, with, with um, what is it? It's like a 2% um, variation. So like I, if I went, if, if I had like five pounds back and forth, like, whatever it's if it's within that five pounds that's still maintenance uh felt good about that um i did it so that was my goal and i did it stayed the same weight throughout that month and then october yeah (laughs) i'll insert applause um and then at october 4th i started the cut cycle which is you know less calories and just trying to lose some weight and the way i'm going about that is pretty pretty much eating similarly every day um you know everyone can go onto like a calculator online and see what um what daily caloric expenditure you need to you need to like what what your resting calories are like if you did nothing this is the amount of calories that you can eat and stay the same so i I'm not I'm not weighing my food or anything. I'm not like really looking at that, but as long as I stay in the same realm of like the same types of food and I see the scale going down, then that's me being in a caloric deficit. Like um do you want to do you want to get into the granular stuff? You want to know what I'm eating? Yeah, tell us a little bit, yeah, about that. All right. So, um it can vary from day to day, but like as long as I kind of understand that it's around the same amount of calories, I'm I'm doing good. So, Wake up 7 a.m. Uh, coffee and black coffee and one egg and then like a bunch of egg white um, from a carton. Mix that all up. Make some scrambled, some veggie sausages and uh, blue blueberries and yogurt. That's my that's every morning. Sometimes it'll switch a little bit if I like run out of veggie sausages. I'll add something else like whatever. And then 11 a.m. Uh, protein bar. Two o'clock broccoli slaw with olive oil and either a veggie burger on top or um, a can of tuna. This is what freaks people out the most when I'm out eating. Like I brought, I brought. If I'm out and about, I'm gonna bring this. Like I went to my sister's house, brought my can of tuna. Went to a picnic with Kelsey, brought my can of tuna. <laughs> so <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get made fun of if you bring out your can of tuna. But you know that's what makes me stronger. <laughs> I love it. So I, so I eat that um, f- like 5 p.m. workout, protein shake, nighttime, some type of rice and veggies. And um, that's that's my – oh, yeah. And then I actually just bought something called casein protein. Mm. And do you know anything about this? I've heard of it. I guess but... it's like a more slow digesting protein. So, okay, you're, nice. you're, so you eat it at night and then – because I'm also trying to retain as much muscle as I can, which is extremely hard when you're um losing weight it you eat it at night and then like while as you're sleeping you're digesting it so you're trying to keep your muscles throughout the night wake up in the morning do it all over again and that that's been working um losing weight and i kind of like like all that food <laughs> like that's what i was going to yeah. ask is because i think a lot of people assume that if you're doing something like similar to what you're doing where it's like maintaining muscle or gaining muscle maintaining it mm-hmm. and um keeping track of calories they assume that it's very like the intuitive 
maybe eater's side, like someone who's more like in my mindset might say, oh, but aren't you feeling so restricted? Mm -hmm. And that might then make you like relapse type of thing, like go back. But it seems like you, those are things you would normally eat. And maybe you even discovered like things that you actually liked by doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I am so obsessed with broccoli slaw now. Oh yeah, he's always, he sends me a picture of his broccoli slaw. You got to get the broccoli slaw because it is, because I... You know, I don't know if anyone else can relate, but when you go to the grocery store, you definitely pick up some spring mix that you're going to throw away later. Oh, I hate throwing that away. (laughs) So you always get it with the best intentions. Like, I'm definitely going to eat this spring mix. But for some reason, it just you we wait a little bit too long and then it gets a little slimy and you're like, not today, spring mix. But the broccoli sauce keeps pretty well. Yeah, broccoli is great. Yeah, That's and it's true. like it's like it's it's got a crunch to it, and like I love I love eating broccoli slaw for lunch. That's like become my new like green. So get on that bro- broccoli slaw train. Get rid of the spring mix. You don't need it. It does nothing for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I've started to do, and now I'm going off topic, but I was getting a lot of fresh produce, and then I was like, I can't keep up with this. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm even though I'm stuck at home in a pandemic, you think it'd be the time that I could make cooking more of a priority. But then I got tired and I'm like, we have so many fruit flies like these bitches are just everywhere because mm-hmm. we had like a ton of produce. And now I've been getting just more frozen vegetables and the frozen spinach I like to get because I'm not afraid it's going to go bad if I like don't eat it the minute I get home. Word. I mean, it's good to mix it up and obviously get fresh, but that just came to my mind. So I agree. Yeah. And I, yeah, like I, like you were saying before, I like all this food. I, I, it is food that I would like be eating. Like I like it as if I'm like eating healthy. Like I said, we, uh, we all want shit. Yeah. It's like natural. I think too, to crave a lot of different things. Yeah. But I'm not like, it's going way easier than I thought it would because man, I like a snack to me would be a, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It wouldn't be like a, like a snack snack. It would be like, it would be like a whole nother meal. And that would be a snack to me. Yeah. No, I get that. That is like my, I think that's like a challenge for everyone. Cause that was my upbringing too. Like a king. Like I said, this in the first episode, like a king size Reese's peanut butter cup was mm-hmm. my snack, like five big chocolate mounds. Like that can't <laughs> be a snack. But so like to go back to like the intuitive eating too, like another thing I like about it, is that especially if you're somebody who's like dealing with body image and kind of your connection to food. I know that sounds like very deep, but you know, your connection to food and your relationship to food. I think like the good thing about intuitive eating is that it it stops like villainizing food, like what's good and what's bad. Even though I just said a king size, yeah, like within reason, like, but also don't like, you don't have to perpetuate the guilt around food. Um, that's the other thing that I do like about it that you we always say like, oh, this is good and this is bad because that's just the language like we we have. Like we all say that even though I don't truly like believe that there, mm-hmm. there's a way to like categorize things sometimes when you're talking about certain situations. Um, but with that said, I think that that doesn't mean like that by restricting your calories, you're also not getting more in touch with your intuition because or your your intuition as it relates to food because clearly you seem like you're more balanced or you feel more balanced and you like notice your hunger. Yeah. And, and the best part about like what I'm doing now, it's like, there's not a lot of time between every time I eat. Like, Ooh, that's interesting. Like, too. yeah. If you like looked at like the time frame, like I'm really three hours away from a meal. 
So even when I finish a meal and, you know, let's say I'm having a hungry day when normally I like if I feel I felt full one day, the next day you know, I was like, you know, what? I just want, I could just keep eating like nonstop. Like, you know what? The, my my protein bar is two and a half hours away. Cool. Like we we can we can get there. Like I'm a, like I don't need to be grazing all day. Like I know I know that there's gonna be a meal later. You know. Yeah. No, I love that, especially because I deal with digestive issues. That's one of the things that I heard from um, a physician at some point was grazing doesn't help the, the stomach, and so that was like a basic way to put it. But basically, it's like timing out meals actually does help your bowel movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I going to say? I don't know. I think you just hit the magic bowel movement word. <laughs> I was going to say like pro tip, but I don't know. That's not really a pro tip. But that's another reason like what Mark's saying is it's also like something to look pro forward to. tip. <laughs> yeah, pro tip, baby. A motorcycle just went by because <laughs> we were in Everett. Um, so, yes, like f- the same thing for like my afternoon snack or whatever. Like it's not like I feel like I'm restricting myself. I feel like I'm just pacing myself. But again, the point of this episode is kind of to give you a, like a little insight into both of these different uh, groups or. Yeah, because I think that you and I are actually on the both ends of those groups that you mentioned. Don't yeah. You? And we have a little bit of both, I think. Like I'm trying to say that like they can they can unite. Oh, OK. And that like. Yeah. But no, you're right. Like we're both kind of. I'm not like counting calories right now, but I think Mm. like I would never be like against, I see the benefit of what you're doing. And I think that the other part of all of this is just, first of all, everybody wants to jump at everybody's throat because they make their decision about their body. So we have to let people make their decisions. Um, uh, when it comes to diet right now and, or, or not wanting to call it a diet, whatever the case may be. Cause I have a friend who recently lost weight and she looks great. She feels good. And that's the most important. And she was almost like afraid to post the before and after picture because she's like, you know, there's so much kind of tension about like wanting to lose weight for women too. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no, if you had that goal and you feel good about it, you should be able to share it because there's this other extreme where it's like thin inspiration and like people not, you know, having issues with, with being too thin and setting this ideal for women that is not realistic and for men. So it's kind of crazy that like we're at the point where my friend who was healthily losing weight and wanting to lose weight felt that she couldn't necessarily share it. Yeah. And I was like, um, I was like, wow, that's like, it got me thinking. And that's why I wanted to share about this, that just support your friends or your family, wherever they're at. And like, most importantly, of course, like love them (laughs) regardless of like their body type. Um, And yeah, and know that if you have someone that wants to lose weight or someone who wants to gain weight, whether it's intuitively or through a more restrictive diet, that uh, as long as you have the support of friends or like a practitioner, like I think that that's completely healthy and normal. Uh, And I also wanted to mention, too, that I did an episode in the first season on elimination diets and that would be considered more of like a restrictive type of diet. And for me, those are used specifically to eliminate foods to see if they're causing you a certain uh, reaction or like you have a sensitivity to them. And yeah, those aren't to lose weight. Yeah, those aren't necessarily to lose weight. Um, Although the result of that for many people is that you will lose weight. Of course. But um, yeah, I just wanted to like also state that and something I didn't realize before is that sometimes I think I've used the word cleanse and detox on the podcast and from an intuitive eater perspective, those are kind of like not the words they would use. Um, 
And I, I never realized that like, oh, that's kind of harmful that we're constantly talking about cleansing and detox because a lot of women, especially especially women, think of that being connected to weight loss and like, oh, you've got to detox your body. And I have other people that I've been following and listening to are kind of reemphasizing the fact that our bodies know naturally how to cleanse and detox. Totally. Like that's why we have organs. Yeah. And so, and like the natural fast we have is when you go to bed until you wake up, like that's your fast and you break it. At breakfast. Unless you got some slow protein gurgling in your belly. Like yeah. <laughs> no, but still, like, that's the reason you have it before bed. Yeah. So, like, I think it's important, too, to also, like, remind the people that are listening that if I've used those terms, I think when I say detox or cleanse, it's more like a short period of eliminating things to feel lighter and better in my body. But I don't have, like, scientific proof that I was, like, detoxing in that moment. Yeah. And that um, to just to remember that your body will take care of itself for the most part and that it's it's got it going on god i hope it's got it going on yeah i just wanted to i was really passionate about that so i just wanted to say oh and i have a question we can ask each other okay because just talking about diet culture accepting your bodies loving yourself something else that i'm passionate about is what's in somebody's fridge like i just love to know what people have (laughs) Or it can be your cabinets as well. I usually go look at Mark's fridge when I first come over, when we record the podcast. But whenever I whenever I used to go over to, over to friends' houses, because I don't anymore, I just love to see someone's fridge. So what is in your fridge? Yeah, I love that was the thing that you needed to do at, at my apartment right away, was just <laughs> yeah. start raiding the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you saw my empty box of chocolate bananas. Yeah, he had dull chocolate like bites in oh, the freezer. Oh. and. Tell it was you. empty, so I'm like, you got to throw that away. You got to recycle that. I just want to keep thinking about them, even if they're not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Wait, what's the question? What's something I have in my fridge? What's in your fridge? Not something. What is, what's all that's in your fridge well, you that you can think of? Well, the thing is, you kind of heard all the things I, I eat. I guess you so, did. So it's in there. But I, I mean, for special things, like you got to have banana peppers. Got to have them. Throw that shit on anything. Banana peppers work. Do you eat banana peppers? Those are the ones in the jar. All yeah, right. I saw them in your fridge. So, yes, I, <laughs> I do. I would eat them. I don't have them right now. Yeah, they're a staple. Um, and you got and you got to have nutritional yeast as a vegetarian. Oh, that is true. I used to have that a long time ago, but I let that sit. And then I think I ended up throwing it away. So I, I would I would like to get some again. I was looking back on some of my Facebook statuses, you know, like shows your past statuses. Yeah. And I, I wrote, um. You know, there'd be more vegetarians if we let out the secret about nutritional yeast on popcorn. Because oh yeah, shut your mouth. Nutritional yeast on popcorn is so good; it makes it like stinky, like like cheesy popcorn. Oh uh, yeah, because that's like the cheese alternative for vegans too. Yeah. Well, not the cheese alternative, but it's used as like uh, Parmesan almost. Yeah, you can like, make like mac and cheese with a parmesan. it. Parmesan, <laughs> parmesan. Sorry. <laughs> so get get on that nutritional yeast, everybody. You might love it. And that's what I have in my, what do you have in your fridge? What do you got? Okay. So I feel like I, ha- I love how I set that question up. So you could just ask me what I have in my fridge. Cause I want to talk about it. My fridge is pretty empty right now because my boyfriend and I are cheap. So we like to, we like to kind of like do multiple shop. We don't like to shop multiple times during the week, especially during a pandemic, but we also don't want things to go bad. So we've been bulking up on the frozen veggies. Yep. We got a few like frozen Indian meals. Like the paneer. Oh, yeah. And also... Was that like like Amy's? 
No, it's a tr- it's Trader Joe's right oh, now because okay, yeah. he he works close to Trader Joe's. And what else do we have? We got some olives and some sun dried tomatoes, similar to your bell peppers. I like to have a little jarred banana peppers. Oh, I said bell peppers. You freak. Banana peppers. I'll tell you right now, olives and banana peppers. Mm. That's the pizza topping. That's what that's what folks need. Yeah, no, it's so good. Then we have eggs, bacon. Like always, we'll always have like a um a thing of Parmesan, like a like a block. A block. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know. I was gonna say a wedge, <laughs> but in anyways, Parmesan and just like leftover ground beef, I think, and almond milk. And I think, and like a lemon ginger. Yeah. Just a couple of sauces. Oh, tahini, which is almost gone. That's another good like must have is tahini. Because you can put that on oats, put it on your toast. Really? Tahini on oats? Yeah. Do whatever you want. Because you can make it sweet or savory. Mm. Put it with dates and peanut butter. So yeah, that's what's in my fridge. It's not really stocked. I'm intrigued by that. So... I hope this was helpful just having a little talk about these two different approaches and yeah, whatever you see on social media or you read, I guess just take it with a grain of salt and, and do what is best for you. Yeah. the uh, What Angela and I really always want to try to do is just, you know, relate as best we can with people. Like, I don't know if anyone will relate to my, baseball story of having to wear like an an odd shirt but like you know maybe you will because and you know and I also went through what I eat and what I eat is very particular to me and how I feel and how I get energy and and what what is a deficit for me isn't for someone else so like never take someone else's diet never take someone else's calories philosophy necessarily yeah fully do it for you and experiment with yourself to see what feels the best Mm -hmm. and uh but yeah, but we just like to talk about it. So that's why I laid it all out there. Yeah, no, it was great. So we hope you enjoy. And now go tell us what's in your fridge. Go go be free. Go raid someone else's fridge the second you get into their house and ruin friendships like Angela does. No, you, you'll learn a lot about somebody when you look in their fridge. Yeah, you'll... End, <laughs> End scene. <laughs>